Welcome to the Gerald Brooks Leadership Podcast, a deep dive into biblical leadership with pastor and author, Dr. Gerald Brooks. Hi, this is Gerald Brooks. Thank you so much for joining me for this podcast. Hey, before we jump into the lesson, uh, we're in the process of scheduling next year's uh, events, and I just want to extend an offer. If you by chance have a leadership event that you might want me to participate in or would like to find out what my leadership events look like or would like to host a roundtable and what is entailed in doing that, if you will reach out to Cody Brooks at Grace Church in Plano, Texas. So again, if you're interested in uh, a leadership event and finding out what that all entails, if you're interested in hosting a roundtable and what that all involves, uh, you can reach out to Cody Brooks at Grace Church in Plano, Texas. And I say that to you because uh, honestly, I've been on the road five of the last eight weeks. We'll be on the road another four of the next six weeks. And um, we're just finding that right now, is a time that leadership development has to happen in organizations. And so I want to invite you that if you even have a little bit of an interest, reach out to Cody. Uh, That being said, I want to do a sequel today. And I know that in movie genres, sequels are never as good as the original, but I'm hoping that what I say today will be helpful to you. Um, In the last lesson, we talked about the don'ts of problem solving the don'ts of problem solving. And I gave you six principles about solving problems that are really don'ts. Well, I have some more principles today. I don't have time to review the ones that we did last time. And so if you're interested in that and you haven't heard them, you can just go back to the last podcast and listen to part one, but it gives you six principles. Uh, Today, we're going to jump in and give you some more. Number seven is this. Don't solve a problem by doing something wrong. Don't solve a problem by doing something wrong. Now, as soon as I say that, everyone goes, seriously, that's one of the problem-solving don'ts. Don't solve a problem by doing something wrong. And they're just saying, well, duh, you just don't do that. But here's the thing. It never looks as clear as what I said. It doesn't look like you're doing something wrong. Here's the thing. Cutting a corner will always lead you in to a circle. So if you start cutting corners, you're going to end up having a circle. And the thing is, circles always lead you back to where you were. So what I'm saying is... um, When it comes to solving problems, you need to have non-negotiables. And non-negotiables are things that you just will not do. Non-negotiables are places that you will not go. Non-negotiables are moments that you just will not say, I'm not going there, don't even think about going there, will not consider going there. That is a bridge too far. So here's the thing. It always starts as a small little slight deviation. And so when it comes to problem solving, one of the things that you have to understand is no matter how bad a promise is, never compromise your moral compass. Never compromise your moral 
compass. You've got to have inherent intrinsic values inside you that you've just built. You've decided this is who I am. This is what I do. This is uh, beginning to be where I go. Jesus had these intrinsic values that guided him when he was being tempted of the devil in Matthew chapter 4. He was just dealing with the reality. There are some things he will not do. There are some places he will not go. See, no one will ever know is not sound doctrine. Because that's what people think. No one's ever going to know. They think that that's sound doctrine. So, don't solve a problem by doing something wrong. Next, don't solve a problem that someone else should solve. Don't solve a problem that someone else should solve. Now, this is critical. Um, I do a lesson called the talent-rich environment. Why is it that so many organizations have talent-rich environments, but they never develop leaders? Why is it that there's all this talent sitting around and most people walk in the room and say, oh my goodness, I wish I had just a little bit of the talent that's sitting around here, yet you watch and that talent never turns into leadership. And one of the things that will impede leadership is that if you solve problems that other people shall solve. See, in our society, here is the natural instinct. We always push a problem up. But if you're the leader, you should always push the problem down. Do you understand the context? We push the problem up. See, we don't want to get in trouble for making a bad decision, a wrong decision. We don't want to get in trouble for mishandling a moment. So we push it up and we say, well, what do you think? Now, as the leader who's above someone, if in your mind is, well, it's just easier for me to just handle this myself. And you just rattle off and say, do these three things. Well, in doing those three things, You've solved one problem, but you've created another problem, and that is you've stopped that person from ever developing their leadership skill set. So here's the deal. Don't solve a problem that someone else should solve. Now, this brings to a caveat, and that is if you can't live with someone's failure, don't hire them. Everybody comes with a failure rate. I come with a failure rate. My story begins with destroying a church. Everyone comes with a failure rate. You study the 12 disciples, they constantly fail. But here's what Jesus knew. If you're not a failure-tolerant leader, you will not grow leaders around you. You have to be able to put up with someone's failure rate. Now, here's the thing. leaders will push back and say, well, you mean that I'm going to let them fail all the time? No. Everyone's going to fail, but they don't get to fail over the same thing. See, here's the way I like to put it. I don't mind you failing. I do mind if you're a slow learner. So if you're going to repeat the same failure, that just doesn't work. You've got to understand that when you fail, there's a next that you have to. And so in leadership, don't solve a problem someone else should solve. And here's the way you manage that. What you do is when someone says, hey, I have a problem, you say, well, 
why don't you bring me back a couple of options and tell me why you brought back those options and then from there we'll talk. Don't let them avoid praying about something. Don't let them avoid thinking about something and don't let them avoid doing something themselves. And then when they bring you back a couple of solutions, talk them through and say, okay, which of those solutions do you think is best? What you're doing is you're training them to lead for the future. So don't solve a problem that someone else should solve. But the next principle, number nine, we already talked about don't solve a problem without learning the lesson. As I said just a minute ago, here's the thing. When you fail, there's a lesson to be learned. Someone not doing something correctly the first time, that's all right. However, not learning the lesson when you failed, that's not all right. See, even though I destroyed a church, which I will stand before God and give an account of, if you've never read my book, uh, Lessons Learned by Destroying a Church, you can get that and you can go to my webpage and get that online. But everything in the organization that I pastor now is a reflection of lessons that I learned from that first church. So don't solve a problem without learning a lesson. Every problem has a lesson. And what's most important in a problem is not the solution, but the lesson that's learned. If history repeats itself, it's because we did not learn the lesson. My son, Cody, uh, he's just a fantastic athlete, uh, something that I wished I was. But <clears throat> he played um, college ball and minor league ball. But I can remember when he was just playing as a, a, a young kid. Cody had this amazing arm that he could throw a ball and he could just throw it harder than most kids could. But there were a few times that he would throw a ball when a runner was on base because he was the catcher. And it just didn't make sense to throw it. Now, he had the talent to throw it. He could make the play when he threw it. But the risk-reward wasn't there. And then there was one time when there was a runner on third and he threw a ball and the guy didn't catch the ball and the runner on second and third scored. Well, it cost Cody's team the game. Now, here was the deal. Was Cody capable of making that throw? Absolutely. Should the kid have caught the ball? Absolutely. But see... Where we were in the game, the risk wasn't worth it. There was a lesson. So after the game, I pulled Cody aside and I said, Cody, there's a time when you have to learn a lesson of when you are going to throw the ball. Not that you can throw the ball, not that you are in a position where you can make the play, but should you? Why? You don't solve a problem without learning the lesson. Number 10, don't solve a problem by personalizing it. See, all problems are personal, but when you personalize it, you own it. 
And this is the difference between having a problem at work and having a problem at home. See, when we personalize a problem, we take the emotions of that problem and we take it home with us. And one of the things that I've had to learn because I'm very intense is that at times I would personalize problems and I would wrap my arms around them so tightly that it would no longer be a church problem or a job problem. I would take it home and it would be a home problem. See, the more you personalize it, the more you empower it. Well, write that thought down. In fact, someone write that thought down and text it to Cody to help me remember it. See, the more you own a problem, the more you personalize it and the more you empower it. So don't solve a problem by personalize it. Number 11, don't solve a problem with a quick fix. Don't solve a problem with a quick fix. I was reading a story many years ago, and it was about a tragedy that happened. And really, when I first read it, I thought, seriously, this can't be a real story. But then I researched it, and it was. And it was in a city that made uh, basically molasses syrup, whatever you called it. That that was their specialty because of the uh, trees around them that they made syrup. And so they had these very, very large vats that they would uh, cure and cook this syrup in. But over a period of time, through the constant elevation of heat and the weight differential between the inside and out, cracks would develop in the vats. And then what they would do is because these cracks were there is that they would paint over them so that the vats were not going to be noticeable, that they were not going to be seen. But one day, the unfortunate happened, and the unfortunate was this. The vat that had cracks in it literally split open. And and literally thousands and thousands of, of, of tons of syrup began to leak out, and it created a flood in the factory, and throughout the city. And what happened was people died. And not just one people, but a lot of people died because of this moment that happened. And it was all because they painted over the cracks. The problem you handle superficially today may be the problem that will eliminate you tomorrow. So one of the things is the easiest things to do is to put a patch on something. The easiest thing to do is to just look at something and and give it the quick hit, whatever I need to do to get by this and put this behind me. But one of the things we know biblically is whom the sun sets free is free indeed. Now, what does that mean? It means that when Jesus came into our life, he didn't do a superficial work. He did an an intense and he did a deep work. He didn't do something that was just superficial. That's why um, the Bible talks about having sincere faith. 
And that word sincere means without wax. And it referred to how when they would make pottery that many times they would cook it too quick or not cure it well enough. And as a result, there would be cracks in it. And the way they would solve it is they would take wax and mix the wax, the color of whatever the uh, the plate was, and they would fill it. And so it would hide the crack temporarily. It was faith that wasn't sincere. It was faith that had cracks in it. Now, here's the thing. If your faith has cracks in it, eventually your faith is going to crack apart. The cracks are going to show. And what we know is the problem that I handle on a superficial level today is a problem that I'm going to have to revisit tomorrow. So you have to ask yourself, is this a problem? And is it a problem that when it escalates, you want to revisit? If not, don't superficially handle it. So don't solve a problem with quick fixes. Sometimes we hire someone because we need someone in the job. We don't hire someone that we want in the job. Get it? We hire someone because we need in the job. We don't hire someone that we want, W-A-N-T, in the job. So let me go over these. Uh, Number seven, don't solve a problem by doing something wrong. Don't solve a problem that someone else should solve. Don't solve a problem without learning the lesson. Don't solve a problem by personalizing it. And don't solve a problem with a quick fix. 7, 8, 9, 10, and 11. 12, don't solve a problem by yourself. Don't solve a problem by yourself. A couple of things here. One, you need help. And you get to set the pattern. Whether every problem is going to be on your shoulders or it's going to be shared shoulders. And so if you make the decision that you're not going to solve problems by yourself, then what that means is simply this. You're always going to ask for someone else's help. The second aspect of this is that others need to learn. Others need to learn. Now, here's the thing. Most leadership is caught. It's not taught. And that's sort of ironic because I'm doing a podcast. But when you're around a leader, being in their presence, you begin to feel the intrinsic capabilities that they have. Now, how did they get that? Not that they have it. How did they get that? There was a time when they were not the leader in the room. There was a time when someone else was the leader in the room. And those leaders in the room left an imprint of of their thought, their experiences, their gift. And if you've been in a room with leader, you begin to um, receive from that gift mix that they have. And that begins to penetrate you. And pretty soon you begin to develop instincts you begin to have the same instincts they had. Now, they may be 
filter differently, but you have instincts. Why? Because you've been in the room. You've been with them when they solve problems, when they were doing things. You've been with them. So there's two things here. When you solve problems by yourself, you're saying you do not need the help of the team. And if you solve problems by yourself, you're not allowing others to learn. So it's very, very important that we get a grip on this. Don't solve problems by yourself. And 13, don't solve big problems with inexpensive cures. Don't solve big problems with inexpensive cures. Let me put it sort of in reverse. You can tell the size of a problem by how expensive it is to resolve it. Small problems, small expense. Big problems, big expense. You determine the size of the problem by the cure that's needed. So if you go to the doctor and you say, doctor, I have something. And he says, I want you to go to CVS or Walgreens and pick this up for $40. You know what? You probably didn't have a big problem. But if you go to the doctor and the doctor looks at you and says, I need to send you to the Mayo Clinic, you have a big problem. So the solution tells you the size of the problem, but you cannot resolve big problems with inexpensive solutions. And what that means is if you're going to solve problems, you have to pay the price. And one of the things I tell people is if you won't pay the team, don't play the game. So I've watched people that got into legal trouble in their organization and versus paying an attorney, they decided, well, we're going to figure it out ourselves. Are people who had relationship problems versus going to a counselor, they decide we're going to handle this ourselves. Or someone who has some real insecurities versus going to a life coach. Here's what I can tell you. You don't solve big problems with cheap cures. The size of the problem determines the expense and the price you will pay. So let me go over these. Number seven, don't solve a problem by doing something wrong. Number eight, don't solve a problem that someone else could solve. Number nine, don't solve a problem without learning the lesson. Number 10, don't solve a problem by personalizing it. Number 11, don't solve a problem with a quick fix. Number 12, don't solve a problem by yourself. And number 13, don't solve big problems with inexpensive cures. Now, if you literally go back and you take the six principles from the first lesson, the seven principles from this lesson, you have 13, you have the baker's dozen. Here's what I would encourage you to do. Sit down with your executive team and go over each one of these and ask yourself this question. Where have we violated the don'ts of problem solving? Where have we violated the don'ts of problem solving? And what that does is if you will begin to do a little bit of a review, that positions you that the team is understanding, well, these are things when problems come we don't do, and that makes you better at doing the things you need to do. 
Again, I want to thank you for joining me uh, for the podcast. Do want to say again, we're filling out our schedule and I have a limited number of dates. But if you have a leadership event that you would maybe want to host, reach out to uh, Cody Brooks at Grace Church. Thank you so much for taking a few moments. Thank you for going out of your way to excel as leaders. Just remember right now, there's nothing more important than being a leader and being a godly leader. As you lead for God, this world is going to notice because one, there's an absence of leadership. And number two, there's an absence of godly leadership. I love you. Thank you for joining me for this lesson. Thank you for listening to the Gerald Brooks Leadership Podcast. If you'd like more information on Dr. Brooks's books, audio, or speaking engagements, please go to geraldbrooksministries.com.